Hello and welcome to episode 1139 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, February 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Not too bad. Getting uh, getting things situated for something big that we're doing on the uh, fantasy side for rotographs and uh, ready to talk some NL closers. The AL episode was received very well, so I think we're on the right track here, breaking it up by league going across every team so we're going to do that again today with the national league how you doing i'm doing fantastic man just trying to get everything done for when all the non-diehards uh show up after the super bowl yeah our official uh, our official kickoff pun intended there i guess not really a pun but you know reference to football mm -hmm. so um you know we don't do a ton of football here but we both follow it who who Mm -hmm. you like this week um, I don't really care. Like, I mean, I, I used to like be like really like hateful towards the Eagles because I'm a because you're a Commanders guy, yeah, Commanders fan. Um, but I got a, an old buddy of mine who who passed with cancer who was a huge Eagles fan, so I kind of uh, I kind of root for them a little bit. Uh, when you know Commanders are out, just kind of in honor of uh my buddy John. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I. I just hope it's a fun game. Like I Me just too. want it to be enjoyable. Uh, I'm hoping the Gatorade color is orange because that's what I usually bet on. Um, I hope the uh, the national anthem goes over. I hope you like the is, long national anthems. Yeah, I hope it's uh, tails uh, for the coin toss. You know, those are the kind of things I'm really rooting for. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I'm hoping for a good game too. You know, I've always had an affinity for the Eagles dating back to Randall Cunningham. And, you know, not that the Eagles always made the playoffs or anything, but the Lions rarely did. And so, you know, I would I would pick up the Eagles once the Lions were out of it. And uh, like I said, Randall Cunningham was a longtime favorite. So I've always had always had a spot in my heart for the uh, for the Eagles. So I will be if, going for them if I'm going for anybody, really. If, if you pick up the Eagles after the Lions are out of it, I mean, that's a lot of the season you're rooting for the Eagles then. All right, NL closers. We're going to start out west because somebody wants to be mean this morning for no reason, and we will we'll go west instead of uh, instead of east, central, uh, west. The way we did last time, we're going to go west, central, east. Starting Arizona. You know, I mentioned to you offline before we started because uh, uh, the time limit that we're working on is oh, don't worry. You know, few teams really have nobody to talk about outside of their guy. It's a stud, and we move on. This is not one of those teams. Mm-hmm. This sucker is wide open. I got a couple guys listed here at RP 63 and 66, Kevin Ginkle and Joe Mantiply. And you might have somebody else you want to talk about. What's going on with Arizona? They're an interesting team. Um, I like their offense. I really like some things that they got going with the starters. But their closer situation is uh, shaky at best. What do you think? I mean, I think the guy that is probably going to start with a job is not listed here. Uh, on our little sheet. So I don't think it's Kevin Ginkle. And I don't think it's Joe Mantifly. I think it's Mark Melanson. Uh, I think it's Mark Melanson, even though he sucks, because they want to try to flip him at yeah. some point. And so oh, they're going to want to rehab his value a little bit. I don't know that it's going to end well. And the only one of these guys I've even drafted once uh, is Mantiply. Uh, I think he's clearly got the best skills. I think he's best suited for that role. But I think the Diamondbacks have a plan. I think they are kind of heading towards the end of their rebuild Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe would like a a little bit more in terms of just a low-end prospect for Melanson. So they're hoping to get him back in that role and get him uh, a little bit of value on the market and then flip him, and then it probably becomes Mantiply's job. So if I'm drafting anybody, it's Mantiply just because I think he does have the best skills. Um, He's super cheap to take a shot on in D.C.'s. He's your fifth, sixth reliever, to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. you're not you're not really putting a big spend out there. Ginkle Biloba, I mean, you can go for it if you want. It's 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 really you might get a handful of saves. He has some decent skills. Uh, he had a good season last year, although the 130 whip runs a little hot there. Uh, Mr. Magoo, Scott McGuff. Um, you called him Mr. Magoo one time because I was like, who is this player? Because I've been <laughs> seeing him get drafted, and I was like, I literally don't know who he is, and I, you know. I know the player pool pretty well, if I may say so myself. But I did not know who this guy was. He p- pitched in the majors back in 2015 with Miami, uh, briefly and poorly. 
He's been in Japan the last four years, pitching pretty well. He's coming back over. Any love for him? We've been seeing him go. Scott McGuff, M-C-G-O-U-G-H. Any interest in in him as a as a flyer? I mean, he's you know he's dirt 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 cheap. No, not really. Okay. I mean, no. I, I mean, I like that it's named Magoo. Um, I did like when you when you said I was like, who is this guy? And you sent me a picture of Mr. Magoo, and it made me laugh <laughs> out loud quite a bit. You know, we all put LOL all the time, and we're not necessarily laughing out loud. That one, you know, usually when I put a bunch of O's for the LOL, I am like legit laughing and you got me good on that one so uh, if you want to take mr magoo it, in a 50 round draft and hold i get it but that's really it arizona not your best spot right now for saves and i agree with you that melanson should at least get some consideration because we know how these old established closers they, they they're cockroaches man yeah they keep getting chances let's go out to colorado and um <laughs> I got nothing against Daniel Bard at all. No, man, he's a great story. He's one of the best stories going in the league right now. I wish him the best. I hope he continues to cook. But it is so Colorado to sign a 37-year-old to a multi-year deal, which they did. Two years, 19 mil for this year and next. So he's the guy. I mean, he had 20 saves last uh, in 21, 34 this past season with brilliant numbers, 179 ERA, .99 whip. We talk, you know, sometimes we, as a fantasy community, we overthrow the word uh, league winner out there. I think Daniel Bard had some league winner viability last yeah. year. When you're talking about those ratios and 34 saves, even 34 saves with like a 480 ERA would have been great for where Daniel Bard was going. But the fact is he was a premium reliever. Can he pull off the trick again in Colorado at age 38? I think he can. I mean, there's no competition for him on that team. I think the only way uh, he loses that role is if he's awful or they trade him. So I uh, know they won't do that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they're going to do that. They gave him a two-year deal. Uh, and even if he's awful, like, who else are they really going to go to in Colorado? I mean, that well, and they let him is... pitch in 21 with a 521 ERA, yeah. 160 whip because he had a four Sierra, and I think they saw the underlying skills. So they would probably still let Daniel Bard continue to pitch. You really think they understand underlying skills in Colorado? A absolutely not. Okay. You're 100 right. I was, I, I don't know what I was thinking with that. You're, you're, you're so right. Uh, he's RP 15. Are you okay with Daniel Bard at RP 15? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not a guy I've targeted. I don't even know if I've drafted him uh, at this point. But I, I wouldn't be, like, necessarily upset to end up with him because I think once you get kind of past him in terms of the RPs, you start getting to the guys with real question marks in terms of their roles. So That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think he is kind of the last of that C2, you know, kind of tier that I feel pretty comfortable with. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm generally, I'm not a never Colorado. I'm not like, I will never possibly ever draft Colorado reliever, especially for reliever starters. I'm I'm pretty out. But reliever, Daniel Bard, I could get there, especially if I waited on saves. And I'm like, uh-oh. Like you said, the guys that are around uh, Daniel Bard, they really start to have role questions, whereas he's down there because of his home environment, not the role. So I totally yeah. get that. Um, all right. Dodgers, another open situation right now. I know you're probably going to tell me that their closer's not on this roster, but I'll give you the guys that are currently being drafted and considered. It's Evan Phillips at RP25, Daniel Hudson at RP32, and there's even some Bruce Dargraderall love in draft and holds, of course, RP50. Where are you at on the Dodgers situation right now? Uh, am I right in thinking that you believe that their guy's not on the team yet? Or do you have some love for Daniel Hudson or Evan Phillips, the two guys that are mostly being considered for their uh, closer role right now by drafters? I've been drafting a lot of Daniel Hudson. He's okay. got, you know, the closing experience. I mean, closed out a World Series for the Nationals. Um, I think he, if he's we healthy. Loved him that next year, by the way. Yeah. I think if he's healthy, he's kind of the guy. Now, I say kind of the guy is because I think they're going to go with a committee of sorts. Like, I think it's going to be a very frustrating situation for fantasy managers. However, the Dodgers are going to win enough games where you can probably get 25 saves from a committee, you know, whoever's leading that committee. So like, I think whoever ends up leading a committee, I think it's going to be Hudson, but Phillips is definitely in that kind of conversation mm -hmm. um, is going to be more valuable than some guys on really bad teams who are just straight up leading that job. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been drafting a lot of Daniel Hudson as my number three. I don't mind drafting a bunch of these guys. I'm hoping you land 
you know, one guy to kind of uh, emerge from that if you're in a draft champions. I think the problem becomes if they don't like the look of this bullpen come trade deadline, they, they will, will add someone. So, uh, and my biggest fear is a few years ago, I think it was 2019, I want to say it was, uh, there were like three guys all going fairly cheaply for the Nationals. It was like Sean Kelly and Coda Coda Glover. Glover and somebody else. Um, and it was like, oh, it's a really good team. You know, one of these guys is going to be the closer. I'm getting all really cheap. And like literally the day before opening day, they traded for Blake Trinan. And like all of my teams now had no say, and all of my draft champions teams had no say. Do that for sure. I think there's a huge risk that you get national, as I like to call it. Yep. Um, by I, I by that's doing a great that. way to put it. So yeah. it and, can't and, it can't be your only plan. Like it should be like if you're taking gambles on these guys, they should be your third or fourth closer. They you shouldn't be waiting to like, oh, I'm gonna wait and I'll get my second closer out of the Dodgers mess because there's a real chance that hey. Come opening day, the guy who is closing isn't currently on the team, and you're kind of SOL. Yep, that that is a great call out there with the Dodgers, and you know because you look at you say, oh, draft skills not roles, and Evan Phillips and Daniel Hudson both fit that. They have brilliant skills, but all it takes is Scott Barlow coming back to the Dodgers. Yeah, or David Bednar, like they make a trade for both Brian Reynolds and David Bednar, and now all of a sudden everything's blown up. Yeah, everything's kind of screwed. So I would just be super, super careful about making any Dodgers closer a closer you really need to rely upon. That's a great call. That's a great call. They should kind of be luxury items, Phillips and mm-hmm. Hudson, um, if you're interested. in, you know, there is still a world where once Gratterall kind of figures out how to leverage his stuff, if he does, but once he really understands how to get those swings and misses, kind of reminds me of Jordan Hicks when he finally kind of figured mm-hmm. out now his health never really cooperated, but if Bruce Gratterall figures out how to get misses with those 100 mile an hour sinkers, he's going to be really dangerous and he could take over the job as well. All right. Out to San Diego, Josh Hader's still there, of course. So he's, he's the guy right now. Are you encouraged enough by his finish that, that you're trusting Josh Hader as a dude? Uh, he's RP three people are back in, obviously, you know, even with the trouble that he gave you last year, you still got all the saves that you can handle. You know, you got 36 saves. That's that's great. Came with a 522 ERA, which is obviously horrendous. 128 whip, which is not good, but that also didn't murder you for, for 50 innings. Like, it, it was way bad for anything Josh Hader's ever done. I'm not trying to pretend it's not. But all in all, he was still a very valuable closer despite the ugly ERA. And like I said, he finished brilliantly. I, I feel like in September he was josh hater again mm-hmm. so i'm personally trusting him are you back on the train with josh hater do you think he's corrected his issues yeah i think he has i mean we have to remember like they're uh these are humans too and they have issues off the field that can affect them on the field and josh hater was going um through uh you know a pregnancy with his wife that was super high risk she had to be hospitalized um and i think an early birth as well uh, I've been through that. I know exactly what that uh, feels like, and it's really hard to focus on your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if you're pitching in front of millions <laughs> of people. And you you look at like kind of his game log. It was really just a few games that kind of screwed him. It really was, and um, they were so memorable that you know they stick with people. But when you really step back and look, you're like, okay, it's a handful of games, and he closed brilliantly. Like I said, I, yeah. I can't reiterate that enough on Hater. He was himself in September, 087 ERA, 058 whip, 13 punches, and 10 and a third. That's Josh Hader. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be absolutely fine. I have no problem taking him as a top five closer. I think you, uh, I think there's an argument for him to be the number one overall closer. I think yep. there's an you know, argument to say, oh, maybe I'll put him towards the back of that first five, but he's a top five closer, in my opinion. Fully agree. Robert Suarez is somebody who's definitely being picked up in draft champions, which I don't mind because he's quality enough that yeah, you can just get some strikeouts and ratios from him, even if you just get like maybe a couple chip in saves. And hey, you know, if, if Hader has volatility that is not related to off the field stuff, like a, a difficult pregnancy with his wife, his command can go at times. He's always had Homer issues. So at 29, he could maybe have some issues. We're not worried about that for Hader, but if he does, I do think Suarez is the next guy up. He had a 32% K rate. 227 ERA and 105 whip in 48 innings last year. And he's going at RP 
uh, 49. So just a dart throw late if you're interested. I think he's a guy that you want to get in draft champions if you drafted a hitter. Like you yeah. want to kind of handcuff him. Get your guy. Contract, uh, a huge contract for relievers. So, uh, I, I mean, he's clearly next man up. Yep. Five-year, 46 mil. Totally agree. Robert Suarez is the next dude. Let's go to your Giants. Camilo Duvall uh, is RP11. He's being trusted as the dude. There's always a little uh, uncertainty when it comes to Gabe Kapler and his closers. But push come to shove, Duvall was the guy, unquestioned. 27 saves last year, 253 ERA, 124 whip, runs a little hot because of his walk rate, um, and, and a 7.2 hit nine. But the 25-year-old was the dude. He was badass. He's right around that top 10 area at RP11. <clears throat> Excuse me. Are you trusting Camilo Duvall? Absolutely not. Um, oh, I thought you were saying, I, man, you got me on that one. Yeah, no, uh, I, you know, I'm going to kind of go back to something you said. And I think this is like the difference and what the reason why I like, I like to follow people from every or like that follow every organization very closely. Mm-hmm. I follow the Giants very closely. They tried to give that job to every single other person on but that, him. in that bullpen, <laughs> but him, they did not want him closing even throughout the season. Tyler Rogers got opportunities. Dominic Leone got opportunities. I got four opportunities. None Rob of us closed it out. Yeah, Rob Nen got opportunities. Didn't have it anymore. He was just the only guy that could do it. Now, does that give him enough rope this year where they go, okay, you were the guy last year. You showed us that you can do the job, unlike other people. Um, so we're going to give it to you potentially. They also signed Taylor Rogers to a pretty good sized deal for a reliever. Uh, I think there's a really good chance that uh, they share this job. Uh, it becomes kind of like a committee where Doval gets the majority of it being the righty. But um, And then if either struggle, then the other one ends up actually getting the job. So considering where Doval is going, I, I will not have him on any teams. Um, okay. I, I think that's fair because there are some concerns there. Like I said, the whip ran pretty high. 124 doesn't really match a 253 ERA. Now, maybe he improves the command a bit and, and there's no problems there, but I get it. And like you said, the team was not so interested in, in necessarily giving him that job, even though he wound up with it. And the 56 ground ball, 56% ground ball rate, which normally I would love for somebody who can get so many strikeouts and be dominant, that's kind of bad on a team like this because they can't turn it into outs. That's why his hit rate was so high. And so he might actually want to be in the air a bit more, give them some pop-ups and some lazy fly balls. To play. Their outfield defense is just that, a, they it's, suck it's too. Probably, yeah. It's it better be worse. Right at them. Yeah, it's probably worse than their infield defense. Um, but I mean, that's going to be a common theme you hear from me. And I think you now uh, kind of throughout the draft season is Giants pitching has this huge negative called their defense. Yep. Um, the park is great, but it, you know, it doesn't really help when the guys who are supposed to catch it inside the park can't do it. Exactly. And the spaciousness of it can be difficult. Uh, and, and actually be an extra compounding factor because these guys can't get to the ball. And so, yep. yeah, that is concerning both for Duvall as well as some of their starters that have some intrigue. Uh, let's talk central now. Let's go to the Cubs. They're another pretty open situation. Brandon Hughes is RP38, Brad Boxberger RP57, and Adbert Owsley is RP47. Is their closer on their team right now for the Cubs? I think it is. I think it is going to be given a Brandon Hughes to start the season. Um, but I also think this could be a really fluid situation. I think they're going to give Hughes the opportunity to win the job. Boxberger has uh, experience closing, and so wouldn't be surprising if he saw some saves. Owsley's really interesting because he was supposed well, to be a starter. Yeah. Um, but now that they've brought in all these guys, guys like him and Wesniski, uh, are now kind of being either pushed to the bullpen or pushed to triple A. So, and I think um, Alzale is so far down that he's like, he's I think kind his of best the chance the of value, yeah, is as a closer. And I think totally. he would make it a really interesting closer. And oh, so, yeah. He could be I, a G. I've been drafting a lot of Hughes as my like third closer and then, you know, adding Alzale late uh, as kind of just a, I don't know, a, a real dart throw, like a legitimate lottery ticket kind of guy uh, that I think if he got an opportunity, he could be really good. So I think Hughes is the dude uh, with Boxberger kind of being the backup. 
and Alzale being that dark horse, that could be really interesting. Hughes put up some quality numbers last year, um, despite a little bit of a home run, or not a little bit, a big home run issue, 1.7. He had a 312 ERA, 109 whip, 29% K rate. He is a lefty, and the only other lefty that we currently have in their bullpen is Ryan Barucki. That can work against you because the team wants to have a lefty for the middle innings for when a big key lefty hitter comes up. So we'll see how they approach that. Maybe somebody like Braylon Marquez has a chance to make the roster. Mm -hmm. he's, very, he's a very live arm, and if he did, then maybe he Marquez could be the lefty fireman, and then Hughes could keep the job. So it doesn't mean he won't get the job and can't get it, just be mindful of that because he is currently the only lefty that's guaranteed a spot. Because, uh, like I said, Barucky's a non-roster invite. They also have uh, Julian Merriweather, who's shown the ability. To oh yeah, back healthy. from uh, Toronto. So, if if yeah. he could, if he could stay healthy, that's an interesting throw too. And they still have Rowan Wick, who we talked, yep. you know, at different points last year was looking like he might have an opportunity. He ended up with nine saves. So it's a fluid situation. I agree with you that Hughes is the guy that I would pick right now. Uh, but there's some dart throws that I would take if I got Hughes later on in my DC, um, you know, with, with some cheap picks because RP 47 for Owsley is not expensive. Yeah. Let's go to Cincy. Uh, Alexis Diaz, Edwin's brother is out there and he looks like the dude, but I don't trust Cincy for shit. Like I, I hate them. They're, they're so dumb. Like I just, Everything they do bothers me. And uh, we'll talk about an offensive move they made real quick right after this, just because uh, I told somebody on my stream that we would at least bring him up. But um, dude, I love Alexis Diaz. It's Cincy that I don't trust, but he's RP17. So I do think that some of the concerns are baked into the price there, which is why I'm still very comfortable drafting him and have drafted him a decent bit for a team that I don't trust. What do you think of Cincinnati and Alexis Diaz? Anybody you're getting elsewhere? Or do you believe Diaz is the unquestioned guy? I think Diaz is the guy. Like I, 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 I know that they have shown the kind of propensity to be uh, a team that is fine stupid, going stupid, by committee. Oh. <laughs> They're also stupid. Thank you. Uh, but, I mean, they've also shown in the past, like, the willingness to just go with a dude. Absolutely. Um, you know, Rossi Iglesias was a dude. I think, part of, the, dude. I think part of the problem has been – they haven't had that dude, and now they do. Alexis Diaz is, you know, got fantastic skills. Uh, he can thrive even in that bad park. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, just fine, like as long as he doesn't get off to like a really shaky start or something like that. Uh, you know, and but even if he does, like, who are they going to put it? Like Luke put in there for him, like Lucas Sims, who can't stay healthy. Or yeah, I'll tell you um, what, I, I have been drafting though. And he needs to come back and show that he's healthy. I've been getting him dirt, 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 dirt cheap. DJ Anton, absolutely, baby. You yeah. already know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll take that shot. I've been, I've been protecting my Diaz with a little bit of of TJ Anton, even though he's not the next man up. I do like him as a dark horse if he's healthy. I just think he can be good in whatever role he's in. Fireman, maybe. I think starting. they want him to be a fireman. Like I think they want that, him personally. as a multi inning kind of guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, and he's someone you should take a look at especially in keeper format, like deep keeper formats and stuff like that, or dynasty. Um, I think for this year, I'm not as interested in him, but uh, it would not surprise me if he turned into some sort of great value, no matter what his role is. Ah, oh, man. Never mind. He's had a setback. Oh, well, there you go. Late January. That, early that's why I said I, yep. And that's why you gotta be careful. Our, yeah. That's why I said I wouldn't be that interested in, that is um, why you have to be careful. Because he never play. actually got Tommy John, right? He just, he PRP. just got a PRP injection um, so, to try no, to no, avoid he, it. He, I thought he did get it, and now he's getting a PRP. Oh, God, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, he got he got TJ. He got <laughs> oh, TJ right, on okay. August 26th of 2021. So he had, like, the extended. Oh, he, he, yeah, he's had. That's why year, I liked yeah. TJ Antone. Yeah. But now seeing the setback here, do not draft him, folks. I, I will not be drafting him anymore right now. Until we get to so those who don't know what PRP is, it's the same as snake oil. <laughs> it kind of feels like it, right? Yeah, Doesn't really do anything. Well, you mentioned him briefly. Then, um, it, would you be taking any Lucas Sims? I have, I have in some DCs. In a he's DC, good, just not healthy. Yeah. So, and I think he would be the obvious next man up if something were to happen to Alexis Diaz. If Diaz starts off with like three blown saves in the first two weeks or something like that. Yeah. And they want to give Diaz a break. I think Sims is the guy they would try to go to. 35% um, K rate from 19 through 21 in 116 innings for yeah. Lucas Sims. So I agree. 
go to him next. Um, but be careful there and don't draft Anton now. I'm this bullpen is awful behind Alexis Diaz. It's really tough, dude. They need yeah. to get the nasty boys back out there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to one of the more secure situations with Milwaukee. Obviously, Hayter's gone. Devin Williams took over, and they missed nary a beat there, uh, moving from a lefty-dominant guy to a righty-dominant guy, but they still have an elite closer. Uh, Devin Williams is the unquestioned dude. He's RP5. Do you trust him or are you drafting him? Yeah, I, I mean, I have no problem drafting Devin Williams. I think he's a top ten closer, uh, pretty easily, um, as long as he's healthy. As long as nothing comes up with his health, he has had kind of some health scares in the past. So, yeah, uh, you know, and, I mean, anybody who's got as violent of delivery as he does, it's going to be a risk. So, uh, I think Matt Bush is clearly the next guy up if something Agreed. happens to uh, him. But I think Williams is, like I said, a top. I think he's he's probably actually a top five closer by skills. I think maybe the risk of injury moves him outside of the top five. Uh, but I have no problem drafting him at where he's going at this point. Yeah, I got no issues with uh, with Devin Williams either and agree with you on the Matt Bush take as well that he's the next guy up. Another pretty secure situation unless he gets traded and it's a crummy team, so that gives it a little cloud, as David Bender, who you mentioned earlier, uh, RP13, I think that's because of the team that he's on and the trade yeah. risk. Although I do feel comfortable that a team trading for him would be doing so to make him the closer. You don't know for sure. You never know. It could be a team that has a guy, you know, Houston could do it or something. I, I don't think they will. They yeah, we, I mean, we didn't there. expect Rossi Iglesias to be a setup. Guy Ex- exactly. Guy. Of all people, right? Like he was a lockdown set closer. No way that he would get traded to not be a closer. And he goes to Atlanta. Now he's yeah. the closer this year, which we'll obviously we'll get to in a moment, but totally get that. So that's a good point. You no know, guarantees there. And I do think that that's part of why Bednar's cost is lowered. Trade risk, team risk. RP13, though, I will take that shot. He was wonderful last year. How do you feel about David Bednar? And uh, then give me a percentage chance that he's traded before the season in, but with your gut instinct. I'm going to say that there is a 18% chance he's traded okay. before the season. I don't think it's very high, but, but I think it, I think it definitely could happen if the Pirates got a good enough offer. They really like Bednar, and uh, he's a fan favorite. So, like, I don't think they want to necessarily trade him. I think they need to be really wowed. Uh, that like, being – Real quick, I liked what you were saying earlier about um, with Reynolds, though. If that mm-hmm. sweetened a Reynolds deal to where they really yeah. got the two prospects that they are in love with or something, I could see it then. Yeah, like, let's say they got Bobby Miller and Michael Bush, you know, and maybe another piece yeah. from the Dodgers. Like, for both those guys, maybe they would be like, yeah, okay. Um, so – I could definitely see it happening, but I don't think there's a high probability it does happen. Uh, and I think he is about as safe as you can get with a closer. The only problem Analyze, being, yeah. he's on the Pirates. So how many games? <laughs> how many games? I think the Pirates are going to be better than maybe other people do. Like I think that team. Is, yeah, you've talked about their offense being yeah, something that you're you're not offended by. Yeah, like you have a their offense is on, not on one of. Their offense is not one of the worst in the league. Um, they don't have a terrible take on Ryan Hayes. I have the correct take on Ryan Hayes. Check, uh, out, check out his uh, 95th percentile uh, exit velos. Which that's is because he hits the ball on the ground. Which is a good indicator of power, which is a good indicator of power. No, he's you getting, hit the ball harder the lower it is. 13 to 15 homers this year. I don't want to rehash, but it's happening. This is why it hurts more when I hit you in the knees with a bat than when I hit you in the head because you get more velocity low. <laughs> and you like, can't reach my head. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> which short helps arms me to tall. stay alive. Um, okay, so Dave Bender, we like him. Again, his risks are built into his cost, so don't don't double count those against him. No, um, you know, make he's sure that you're going too low. Yeah, if anything, I, I would agree with that. I would say he's maybe a little bit too low. Uh, and I, I know they're a crummy yeah. team. Yeah, I, I I have paired on. Already two teams this season. I've paired Diaz and Bednar as my closers one and two, and felt totally fine with that. I can I can get behind that because the savings that you're getting there uh, really make it feel pretty good there to get two guys. They are on crummy teams, but we've seen it. You know, I, I referenced my own favorite team uh, with Soto, and Soto is worse than both those guys by a decent bit and he's popped 25 30 saves multi he got 30 this past year daniel uh, bard was on the rocky yeah and in the worst like, place to pitch 34 saves or whatever it was so 
Uh, like just just because you're on a bad team doesn't mean you can get saves. It just means you're going to get probably less opportunities. But it's if you harder, the yeah. unquestioned guy, I'd rather have the unquestioned guy on a bad team than a questioned guy. And you know there are a number of those question guys on good teams. Now, last oh, actually, real quick circle back. I mentioned Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and I forgot to follow up on that. They got Will Benson. You talked me off the ledge of being mm-hmm. concerned about that because I was like, another outfielder that's going to ruin our our dudes, our our um, our law firm of Fredo Fredo Fraley and Myers Incorporated. I, I I love that trio. Obviously, I think Myers is the first baseman while Votto's down yeah. anyway, so he's fine. But you got Senzel if you like him. Um, Bet, Will Benson gets traded over from Cleveland. They had the two Will Bs, Will Brenson and Will Benin, uh, Brennan. Excuse me. You're not worried about Will Benson though because he cannot make contact. Correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was he did make contact in his major league uh, kind of uh, cup of coffee, um, or at least you know league average ish zone contact. But I mean, he has had massive swing and miss and strikeouts all throughout his minor league career. I think he starts in the minors to begin with. Um, and I, I think this is more of an indictment on where they potentially think that Votto is going to be at for a while. So, um, you know, you've seen them now say that, hey, Tyler Stevenson's going to play 140 games. Well, he's definitely not catching 140 games, so where is he playing it? Now they're bringing in Will Benson to kind of take Will uh, Myers' spot in the outfield as Will Myers moves to first base. Mm-hmm. Um, and Senzel is always an injury risk, right? Yeah. They brought in Chad Bender too. Swipe right on that in Cincinnati. It's not like Benson is like an elite defensive player. That exactly, like, will, like he's a okay, probably maybe even a little bit below average defensive player. Um, so no now, concerns for our guy. I will, no, I don't think there's any concern. Benson's a guy I will take a gamble on in a DC um, or probably you know NL only reserve. Uh, he's got a ton of physical talent. Um, mm-hmm. And reportedly, Emily Walden said a while back, like he's the hardest working guy um, okay. in the minor leagues. Like he's not a knucklehead. He's a guy who just really loves the game, works really hard at it. But he does. He swings and misses a, a ton. If he can that is, something out, that would be huge. Yeah. His power is nuts. And of course, now we've talked up the park all off season. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. So, okay. I, so don't I worry don't about think he would be an issue, though, for Friedel. He's a lefty. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and so I, I still think that he would he would end up being like the third outfielder out of this group and not necessarily a guy who jumps over the guys we like. And then Will Myers is either DHing or playing first or playing first. Okay, good. Yeah. You talked me off the ledge when I saw that. I was like, come on, man, what are you doing? It's good depth, though. It was not a bad trade for them. They, I think they just traded a reliever. All good. All right, back to the closers, St. Louis. Now, I've already taken my my proper L's on my boy Giovanni Gallegos. Yes. Ryan Helsley is is mm-hmm. done, right? He melted in the playoffs because he had a finger injury. Everything's supposed to be good with that. You mean, you mean Ryan Helmsley? Yeah, Ryan Helmsley. Oh, God. Listen to the AFL pod. That was one of my favorite moments ever. <laughs> now, do the same principles apply that applied last year when everyone was trying to cut me down on Gallegos? that they're not necessarily going to give somebody the A job because, I mean, I know Helmsley, a.k.a. Helsley, skills are are fire and awesome, but if their principle is that they don't necessarily just go with an unquestioned A guy, should we have the same concerns about Helsley this year and maybe be drafting Gio uh, Gallegos as a uh, discounted, you know, interesting guy who can get 9 to 12 saves or do you think Helsley is the unquestioned dude and 30 saves are come 30 plus saves are coming his way this year? Where do you come out on the Cardinal situation this year? No, I think you got to think of it as, Hey, they're probably, you know, maybe Helsley does like lead the team in saves. But if you look Helsley had five more saves than Gallegos last mm-hmm. year. Like it would not surprise me if they're sharing this role uh, once again, do I think Helsley leads the team in saves? Yes, but do I think that he earns that much more value than Gallegos, where he should be going as the ninth closer off the board? Yeah. While Gallegos is going as RP thirty three? No, I don't. Like I think um, this is one of those situations where I would take Bednar over Helsley. I would take Alexis Diaz over Helsley uh, because they are the guys, 
and there are some real question with Hel Helsley being the you know the quote unquote guy in uh, in St. Louis. Uh, that being said, like St. Louis is a much better team than both those, so true. He may have more saves, and the skills are impeccable. So, um, but I think safety wise, uh, if I'm drafting Helsley, I think I have to draft Gallegos as well. I got no problem getting both, especially in the DC. Um, I'm sticking with my boy, as, you know, on the discount too. I'm not sticking with him as the A guy, obviously, Gallegos, but I will take that discount all mm -hmm. day. He's RP30. Yeah, it's a great discount. And I think I can get nine to 12 saves with brilliant ratios and a solid strikeout rate. I'm not averse to Helsley, but I agree with you that RP9 feels a little bit high because, again, you got to apply the same principles that if, if, if the if the heart of the order is coming up in the eighth, there, there's a good chance they go to Helsley. And then they can just because they know Gallegos can close it out. It's a great luxury for them. It's a pain in the ass for fantasy folks. And yeah. they, weird enough, weirdly enough, they do not give a shit about our fantasy leagues unfortunately <laughs> crazy i know uh so yeah that's be careful with st louis just don't overdraft helsley um because he might not be a 35 plus guy he might be more of like a 27 28 which can still be wonderful but then gallegos gets you a little 9 10 12 and uh you can get him at a great price there and get some good ratios to go with it all right let's go to the east finish this up rice glacius we already invoked his name earlier uh, obviously they knew what they were doing when they got him last year, the Braves, he had that contract and they were never bringing back Jansen at that point. They obviously did not. And now Iglesias is the dude. Are you ready to jump back in? I know he's been a favorite of yours. In fact, that was our big debate was Iglesias versus, um, Gallegos. And they both ended up not having their job there. So it ended up being closer than it should have been. You did still win that one hat tip to you. Are you ready to get back in on Iglesias as a 30 plus dude in Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, I think he is a top five closer going outside the top five. Like, yeah, I, I and it's hard because I keep yeah. saying this guy, every guy is a top five closer. <laughs> you have there's 42 like, guys in the top five. Yeah, I think there's at least eight top five closers um, this year. So, uh, I, yeah, I love Iglesias. I, I really liked getting him super late in early uh, drafts. Like, this, oh, yeah, this was the reason why. Um, I do like early drafts is because if you can identify a huge weakness or oversight in the market, uh, you can get some really great deals. The problem is not all your guys are going to stay healthy. Uh, uh, and you may end up getting screwed in, you know, from a free agency kind of perspective or something or trade. Uh, but Iglesias was going like super, super cheap. I got him outside like the top 150 in some drafts. Um, and now he's my, you know, closer one, uh, that you know, I drafted super, super late. So yeah, I love Rossiel Iglesias. I think he goes back to being a top five guy in Atlanta. I'm not worried about the park or anything like that. The team around him is fantastic. I think the only thing that worries you a little bit is that if he did, did falter, that bullpen is stacked, um, yeah. and they would have a million guys to go to. But I think ultimately he is the dude unless something happens. Yep. I, I co-sign all of that with Iglesias. I also agree that I think he's top five without being ranked top five, so you get a good price on him. Um, if you're in a DC, you can back him up, make a pick from somebody in that uh, in that bullpen there. You know, AJ Minter's the the badass lefty. Joe Jimenez has, has done it before. Um, I'm not sure that they would go to him right away. I think they would actually go to Minter because they have other lefties with yeah. Lucas Litge and Dylan Lee that they could give Minter the shot if Iglesias got hurt or something. But it's his job. He would have to have a like a month plus meltdown, I think, to lose that gig. He's yeah. got security and he's a badass. Uh, and Minter's RP fifty one, so he's not costing you anything there. Miami open situation, crummy team. Not sure if they have their closer on the team, but right now Dylan Floro RP twenty nine. Interesting pickup. The trade for Matt Barnes. I know he's coming off a shit season, but we know relievers are super volatile. He's post pick six hundred. I didn't even put what RP he is because they didn't go that far. Um, but obviously post pick 600, you're talking RP 90. I don't know. He's, he's dirt cheap. What do you think of the Miami situation? You drafting Floro? Do you like Barnes on a spec? Is their closer even on the roster, et cetera, et cetera. I had been drafting a lot of Floro. Um, and then the Barnes trade happened and now like, I'm cool. Thanks. Yeah. Now I'm really scared that all my early Floro shares, um, are kind of screwed. Uh, and I do think Flores in the last year of his deal, so I do think they're going to try to flip him at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I think the guy who ends up with the most saves on the team is Tanner Scott. Uh, because I think 
Yeah, I think they're going to end up flipping both Barnes and Floro at some point this season. And I think there is, you know, Craig Mish, who's about as in tune on the Marlins as anybody, and just a legitimately good dude. I love, love Craig. Love Mish. Craig. Love Craig. Um, one of my favorite TGFBI interviews of all time. Uh, if you if you want to laugh, uh, definitely go listen to that uh, that one. Uh, it was one of the one of the early 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 ones. Um, but he said that he thinks it's a committee and he's a, like I said, about as in tune as you can dial in beat writer. Like he, he is like the Marlins dude. Uh, and so I think this is a committee of sorts. Uh, and I don't really want to deal with a committee on a bad a team. Crummy team. Yeah. That's yeah, the like, really tough part. You're talking about 30 saves being split three ways or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I've been just taking the cheapest guy, which has been Tanner Scott. Uh, and he also has really great skills that if he can harness them, like he could be a really, really interesting closer. Uh, so like as an art, yeah, yeah, exactly. Tanner Scott had 20 last year. Mm -hmm. So like RP four or five, like I'm taking Tanner Scott and I'm kind of avoid, unless one of them falls, like in my most recent DC Dylan Floro, like just fell and fell and fell. And I almost ended up not taking him, but um, like he went really, really cheap. And at that point, like if he falls to like, you know, RP, I don't know, where, where is he right now? R, R, he's RP uh, 29. If he falls to like RP 40 something, then I'll take the gamble that he ends up being the guy or that he gets traded to a team like the Dodgers and becomes the guy. Back to the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, back to the Dodgers. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but ultimately I'm probably staying away. Yeah, I think that's the right call there on, on – co-sign pretty much everything you said with Foro, Scott, and Barnes. Uh, and don't forget with Barnes, he has to bounce back already, or bounce back too to to get anything and get in the mix because he had a dreadful season last year. Mm -hmm. His strikeout rate dropped from 38% to 19 um, you know, his walks have always been an issue. He was at 12%. That was a three point jump. His swing strike rate went from 15 to 11%. Like, so he really fell apart. But again, relievers one little change and they get back on track. So I don't rule it out. That's why he needs to be mentioned, but he has to do that before he's going to hone in on uh, Floro and Scott's saves there. But it is definitely a committee on a crummy team. Cue the trumpets, the number one guy, Edwin Diaz, unquestioned. Obviously, you know, we've seen him have issues in the past, but those are a distant memory at this point. Any issues with Edwin Diaz? Are you having any problems taking him number one if you're going that high for a reliever? What do you think of old Timmy Trumpets here? Yeah, I don't have an issue taking him number one. I took him as a first reliever off the board in my most recent DC. Uh, the more I do think about it, though, I wonder if Classe should be the number one guy because I've been back he, and forth on him. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have. You've seen Classe go first and, and Diaz second in a number of drafts, and obviously the reverse of that as well. But like you just mentioned in the intro of Diaz, he's had his issues in the past. Colossae, outside of a suspension, has mm -hmm. never had issues. So, and he's on a team where I think he is, uh, like, there isn't a ton of competition in Cleveland for Colossae uh, if he were to struggle. Like, I don't think there's a guy that they would necessarily elevate over him. Whereas, uh, you know, they have a proven closer in David Robertson in New York. Uh, to kind of back up Diaz if he were to struggle. So I think Classe probably should be number one, but Diaz is right there with him as a number two. Yeah, like I, I've got I'm I'm not that worried that, that Diaz is gonna like fall apart again. Mm -hmm. And it was it was not, I mean again we're talking 2019, it was a home run issue, seemed pretty fluky. He got back on track and he's just been amazing. And then last yeah. year he struck out 50% yeah. of his batters. It's on I mean unreal value from those strikeouts like and, yes. and the ratios are fantastic you know the Mets are going to be competitive this year uh mm -hmm. really good so like I don't have an issue taking him as can't go wrong with him or two closer and classic yep and like I said I've taken both at that number Ooh. one closer spot and I took both together in a draft on the on the wheel it was, a, it was a gladiator draft so you know you got to get your saves locked up I said give me the big boys. I went with a, I went with a different strategy and did, did you spec I just I did not get an established closer, um, and I really? just said, yeah, I said I'm just going because closers so volatile, anyways. True. Went I'm going to go with some kind of lower end guys that I think have the job, 
Um, and I'm going to not, and I'm going to make sure I have really, really good starters because they're the ones who are going to give me those guaranteed innings that you need in the, in the gladiator format. That big volume. That, that, hey, yeah. that's a fair call. Um, you know, you were zigging when everyone's zagging or zagging, mm -hmm. when zigging, however you want to put it. I feel that. All right. Two more teams, Philly. Now they've made things complicated this year. They're getting depth for their bullpen. They're doing what's right for the team. Again, not what's right for us fantasy dweebs. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, uh, were the guys that are there right left. And then they brought in a right left combo of Craig Kimbrell, Gregory Soto. I'm a Sir Anthony guy. That's who I'm drafting if I'm touching anything here. But they've been clear that they're going to go with, uh, you know, Rob Thompson said, I'm going to go with my matchups. I'm going to play my dudes. These guys have all had closing experience. Is Philly too much of a mess to get into? Or do you have somebody that you're keyed in on? I don't have anybody I'm keyed in on. Give me whoever's cheapest in any particular draft. And I think that's going to change draft by draft. Yeah. Um, well, I know they're talking about doing a committee. Relievers hate that. Like they just they want to know what managers their managers do is. too. By the way, I think yeah. they say that when they don't know, but once they have the button to push, they will push it. Well, so and I think Dominguez takes over. I, 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 or whoever. I mean, but Dominguez is my guy. But if Kimbrel gets back and is badass, I think he'll want to have that button to push. Yeah, and I, I also think I think it's more of a the front office likes the idea of hey, you yeah. know, you mix and match, you you, you attack matchups, and um, because they become more analytically driven, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but I don't know that managers and pitchers are actually really comfortable with that. So I do think that, and all these guys have to stay effective and healthy to make that work. Awesome, um, and I don't know how viable that is as a real strategy. Like it's it's a great idea, but will that actually work out that way? No, probably not. Someone will probably emerge as the dude at some point, whether it's because of injury or performance, or just this is who the manager likes to go to. I have no idea who it could be. Like it could be any of these guys. Any it of could the be four. Soto. Yeah. Um. Like yeah. I mean, I really don't know. So I'm going to just take kind of calculated gambles on the guy that falls because one of these guys. It's usually Soto, but one of these guys will fall in a draft. Um, and it's a really, really good team that was just in the World Series. They're going to win a lot of games again this year. So, yeah, I'm going to take the kind of chance that one of them works out. I will also be picking these guys up off the waiver wire throughout the season. Yep. Because there's going to be a time where, like, oh, it looks like maybe I don't, Dominguez is uh, kind of starting to get this role, or Kimbrell is. So I'm going to take a shot there. So. I think I think a lot of these guys are going to be on and off the waiver wire all year too. So I think that's totally um, fair. And they're all that prototypical reliever, power arms with control issues, which can breed that volatility to where Thompson is not trusting them for two weeks, three weeks at a time, and then Kimbrel steps up, and then Soto yeah. has his period where he's actually not walking guys for a little bit, so he steps up. Alvarado gets back on track; he gets four saves in a two-week yeah. period, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I totally get that. I um, think. From a strategy perspective, I would rather gamble on a guy like Brandon Hughes early in or during your draft and then drop him if he doesn't have the role or, you know, whoever that guy is on whatever team. Yeah. Um, you know, like in a position where, hey, I'm going to take a shot. Alexis Diaz or not Alexis Diaz. Who was it for Cincinnati last year um, oh, that everybody um, fell in love with? Oh, my um, God. Including me. Yeah. I cannot think. I don't know. But whatever closer kind of dark horse spec that you think has a really good chance of. Oh, Amir Garrett. No, it wasn't Amir Garrett. It was, um, oh man, I can't remember who it was, but anyways. Uh, and then if it doesn't work out, you drop him and then you pick one of these guys up when other people drop him because they will drop these guys. Uh, especially if it is a short oh, job earlier. I was looking at 2021. I'm an idiot. 2022 saves. Uh, Art Warren, I Art just Warren. remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So, uh, Roto Surgeon's know. guy, Kev Love, yeah. Art Warren. Um, a lot yeah. of us did. Like, no, we no, were he, all, he, yeah. there was reasons to be interested by mm -hmm. based on the skills, but he just he he popped, and so that it didn't work out. But I feel you on on Philly. Like, be ready to be flexible there. Don't get married to any of the guys. You know, Sir Anthony's the youngest guy. You want to be excited about him, but th they could want to fireman him. Yeah, like yeah. They, they just they have options and they're going to use them. Um, last guy. Washington, Kyle Finnegan, he looks like the guy right now. Um, they don't have a ton of guys behind him, so I think that you can kind of, quote-unquote, trust him a bit. He's RP23, so your, your, your concerns about their team quality and Finnegan's quality, again, covered in the price, I think. 
but it looks like he is the dude right now. Do you believe in that? And is he is he somebody that you're going for? Kyle Finnegan, after a pretty solid year last year, he got 11 saves, 66 and two-thirds, big strikeouts at 26%, 351 ERA, 114 whip. What do you think of Kyle Finnegan and the um, Washington, I almost said Montreal, and the Washington uh, uh, pen? Excuse me. I'm really looking uh, at like any news coming out of Washington right now because he was my guy kind of as my closer three um, or even a low-end closer two to start draft season. But then there was some talk about Hunter Harvey, and now they've signed Alex Colomay. Um I, I missed that. Yeah, and that is really scary to me because while Alex Colomay is not good, he has a proving closer tag on him. He does. Um, and this could be the perfect guy they sign on a non-roster invite that they can give the job to and then try to flip at the deadline. So yep. I'm a little scared that it turns into a committee or that they just give it to Alex Colomay straight out. Uh, so it's definitely something I've kind of pumped the brakes on a little bit. And I'm kind of waiting and seeing if there's any news coming out of Washington like, oh, Bruno, Finnegan's the guy. Or, oh, this is an open competition. If it's an open competition, Nationals aren't going to win enough games where I care about uh, taking gambles on this team. Exactly. And at least Finnegan is not some like 23 year old that they're going to protect an arm. He's 31. Like they yeah. can give him the job if they believe in him. And if mm-hmm. Colome doesn't really show anything, but you're right, he's done it before. He has three 30 plus save seasons, including a 47 back in 2017 with Tampa Bay, that capital C closer on the Jersey managers love that. So yeah, exactly. you, do have, you do have to give some uh, uh, consideration to that with Washington and Cal Finnegan. And again, bad team so you don't want to get too caught up specking on a team that uh is not going to get you a ton of saves to begin with so that's it that's the national league closer pool right now it'll change uh we'll revisit closers again in march uh with any updated news of course if there's trades obviously we'll cover them when they happen but there's definitely things that could happen um you know the dodgers could certainly get their guy some of these other teams could definitely go out and get somebody but as it stands right now it's an interesting pool. If you're in DCs, you don't have to get your guys uh, your closers early if you don't want to, but the, the studs do go early. So if mm-hmm. you are interested in the studs, be prepared to pay up. I'm talking third, fourth, fifth round pick if you want to get a G because those are the established saves. And as we get closer to spring and into the spring training games and things start to get more fluid, they'll come down a little bit. But as it stands right now, the certainty is a premium at the draft table for draft champions. So if you don't like drafting that, that's your choice. But don't think that you're going to steal, you know, Emmanuel Classe in the fourth round or something because your league usually does closers that late. In DCs, they go high. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. You got anything planned for the uh, Super Bowl Sunday with Jason? Yeah, we do have uh, an episode planned. I cannot remember with who, though. Okay, well, listen to that. It should be great, whoever it is, because you're great at booking guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I will talk again on Monday. We're going to start starting pitchers. Can't wait. It's going to be a little, fun. Probably like four episodes, I would think. I would say at least, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, starting pitchers are coming. Going to talk a lot about them. Justin, have a great weekend. Take it easy.